Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So we are talking today about waiting, what waiting looks like, really how we are called to wait, really why we are in such a hurry, always. Um, And I want us to really consider what waiting teaches us and why waiting is necessary for our spiritual growth um, and really our personal growth and growth in general. And I feel like I need to just preface this conversation with some radical honesty (laughs) because, sweet friends, my story has always been I hate waiting. You know, I am someone, when I worked in an office, I never walked anywhere in said office and people would, in any office I worked in, I would always be the one running in a hurry when there was really no hurry. And, and I also hate waiting, um, I've told myself, like the unanswered questions and the gray areas and the wait and see. And I want you to know that it's not hate per se, or perhaps it's that I've decided that I'm bad at waiting. So remember our thoughts create how we feel and those drive the actions we take. So my thought is I'm bad at waiting. And when I have that thought, I feel hurried. I feel pressure. And I, I have another thought that I'm wondering if maybe I'm not alone in this. I have the thought that somehow, somewhere, I missed the lesson on patience, right? But that passed me by. And this is where our narratives come in, is that we look at what we've told ourselves when it comes to who we are and how patient we are, when it comes to our temperaments, that nature versus nurture conversation. Are you always in a hurry right now? And why? And I believe that asking ourselves the right questions can show us who we are and opportunities for growth and even how to grow. And one of my favorite questions that I ask clients is, um, were you always in a hurry as a child? I know I was. I was always someone who wanted it right then, right now, still. And I I say, remember, we all took Psych 101, or most of us took Psych 101, and we learned about that Stanford marshmallow experiment. Um, And we've taken this to, to go in so many different directions. Researchers um, had children for age four, three, four, five, sit at a table and they would tell them, you know, you can have this, essentially they were saying, the immediate gratification of this one marshmallow now, or if you wait 15 minutes, I'm gonna leave you alone in the room and you're gonna wait 15 minutes and I'm gonna come back. They wouldn't say how long um, and you can have, two rewards, pretzels or marshmallows. Now, now I would like it on the record that my children would be like, marshmallows? Like, no biggie. I get those all the time, right? Like, there are so many uh, layers to this experiment and so much, 
so much we can see that is challenging about this experiment and replication of this experiment, but it has been replicated. And they have found that children who are able to delay gratification, to wait longer, they tended to have better life outcomes or long-term outcomes, right? And I say this, they had greater educational attainment, BMI, SAT scores, the lot, right? You think about it. And I, I have to say this, as if those are the only indicators of a life well-lived, right? Let's just be clear here. But research simply has to like, take measures of some kind so that we can see long-term what this looks like. And I am fascinated because in 2011, so this is after I'm out of graduate school and I'm still fascinated by this research study being a parent myself, is that they did brain imaging, functional MRIs, right? And they looked at a sample from the original Stanford study, right? And they saw that when these people were in midlife, they could see differences in their prefrontal cortex with the delay times. And those, like, they could see the PFC was more active in those that could delay gratification. And we also know that there was a recent 2020 experiment um, that showed that the reputation of the tester, right, you think about this, that if the child thought that they could trust the tester or that if they had a history of distrust based on their family of origin, that that made a difference. So I want you to think about this in your own life or your children's lives. As I say all the time, that this is data, not destiny, that my children will not grow up to be juvenile delinquents or all, the lot if they are unable to delay gratification because that area of their prefrontal cortex, right? That planning, prioritization, that, that that is not developed yet. But I can work with them. I can work with myself. It's never too late. It's never too early. So what stories are you telling yourself right now about being able to delay gratification? Because, oh, friends, our society is one of immediate gratification, right? We want answers now. We want it now. We want our problem solved now. And I wonder... And this is just me thinking about these things. What the unknown of this pandemic, waiting, the waiting, the, the, all the unknowns, and like, is, is, is it in droplets? Is it aerosol? Is it, do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Things are changing. I wonder what this unknown did to our thoughts and our narrative. How has this waiting in particular changed the way you think? And it's so interesting because I um, am teaching um, about uh, this, this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course by Peter Scazzaro. And one of the um, phases of biblical waiting, right? of waiting um, or biblical grieving, grieving loss, grieving, grieving what we expected to happen was being okay in the unknown, being okay with the waiting and the in-between. And so we understand that I, I often 
have to couch the waiting in the context of our spiritual life. When we understand we fear the waiting, we fear the unknown, we want our prayers, we want our vision board, we want um, whether you call it God or the universe or the creator, your spiritual source, I call it all the things. We want those, uh, I, I point over here because my vision boards to my right, right? And of course I had to touch my ring so I would know my left and right. We want it answered now. So many of us treat God or fill in the blank, the universe, as a genie in a bottle. When we pray, when we manifest, we are making expectations. And yes, we are heard and we are loved. But how do we wait if necessary? When we experience loss and setbacks, we are invited to wait, to patience. And I know what it's like when we are experiencing that out of control feeling inside, we try to control the exterior. Or we prefer control all the time over fear of the in-between or fear at all. I find Abraham's story in the Bible, like, I get it, Abraham. I'm right with you. After waiting, what was it, 11 years for God who promised Abraham a son, Abraham was like, forget this. I'm going to take matters <laughs> into my own hands, right? I see Hagar, I'm going to have a baby. And guess what? I have a son, Ishmael. Ishmael. I can't say that. And we all have similar stories. We are like, okay, I, I feel so called. I feel so committed to wait to creating 300 people in my membership. Or I feel so committed to co-creating with God, with the universe, this idea of, of, of a healthy family or a beautiful relationship with my children, and they are not reciprocating. So I'm going to take matters into our own hand, my own hands, right? And the call of Psalm 37.7, which I have down there, nope, you can't see it, at the very bottom is be still. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Is that easy for you? Because friend, <laughs> it's really hard for me. Be still and know, be still and wait. Wait patiently. It not only requires humility in us, but a deep and abiding sense of faith that is lost in our current context of hustle and rush. The, un, the relentless elimination of hurry, as I often call the ruthless elimination of hurry, which is its real title, or soul keeping by John Ortberg. 
challenges us to listen, to surrender, to trust. And here's the deal. We set goals and we see all around us. If you are on social media, you are told that you can manifest in 30 days $5,000. If you work hard enough, if you think hard enough, if you manifest hard, if you do the things, right? If you take, take action, it's about action. But what if that's losing the point? What if we have lost the point? What if our life is about surrender and learning to wait? My word of the year is courageous belief. How do I learn to courageously believe in the process, in the creator, in the experience? And what if life is learning to wait and to listen and co-create, right? When we set big goals, if we set big goals, right? Audacious, outrageous goals. It's not the attainment of those goals. It's what we learn and come to know. I always tell my clients, you, I, like, I love vision boards. I love teaching people to set goals. I love helping people get from point A to point B. But for me, it's not being at point B because that won't change. If you are at point B, but you still have all the same thoughts and emotions and you're taking the same action that you have now, your life doesn't change. Just because you speak on national stages doesn't mean that you learned. It is getting from point A to point B is everything in between. We change our thoughts about our life, about the waiting, about belief to change our lives. What if waiting is the game? What if the obstacles, the trials, when we go from point A to point B in my uh, coaching, we create a map and we see what will come up. What if waiting is the lesson? What if those obstacles are the lesson? What if staying focused like Abraham 25 years later? What if staying on course is, is what matters? And what happens when you don't reach your goals in the timeline that you set? Do you give up? If you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to do anything, attain anything, you have to change the way you think. You have to change what you're telling yourself. And we are in a hurry. We rush because we feel like we have something to prove. And so when you scrape away, when you take away that need to prove anything, when you understand that you are loved and worthy regardless of what you accomplish, you change your narrative. You change your life. And that's why I love to coach people around their purpose and goal attainment. We hear coaches everywhere promising results, right? Like, I will get you, you will have a six-figure business. I think that's about deep insecurity on both the coach and the coachee on so many levels. And that's fine. That's, that's life. That is our work. 
sometimes the work is to recognize that there is nothing to be gained in the hustle or there is everything to be learned in the hustle. We don't hustle to get to the next level to prove that we are good, that we matter. We know that now. And you might know that through your relationship with the divine. We try to prove that we are successful. We try to believe the lie that we are what we do. Because we lack that deep knowledge, deep in our bones, deep in our soul, deep in our hearts and our minds. When we come to know connection and deep abiding connection, it is not what we do. We aren't what we have. We aren't what others think of this, of us, or think of our goals. And setting goals is an opportunity to clarify deep in you what matters. Setting goals, the waiting, is the opportunity to, to learn and to grow and to recognize what you want, how it will serve you, your family. It's about listening and co-creating. It's about knowing what you've been called to and trusting and courageously believing and working towards something is the process. And the waiting and the, the in-between, the waiting game is tolerable. And I, I at times would say welcome, but that's only if I've been really clear. If we don't have to believe that we have to do God's job for him or that we have to play God for God. If we don't have to hold the whole world together by ourselves, we understand that we can work and we can trust and we can listen. And the confusing waiting, the gray area, that is the opposite of quick solutions. I think about it in the context of wanting solutions for my children. I want, I, it, it makes me physically uncomfortable to see them struggle. And I know the only way for them to learn is to struggle, is it's in the hard that we grow. It's not in getting everything handed to us or everything to be easy or everything to be fun. We learn in the hard. And I see so many parents like me that struggle with that. I want to take away their pain. Because, frankly, it's hard for me. We have to remember that this runs contrary to all the messages we receive. I think about Job's friends, right? His friends were like, did you do something wrong to be punished like this? And that's what I've always done. When I'm waiting for something, let's say I'm waiting for an answer. I'm waiting to be healed. I'm waiting for someone else to be healed. I remember reading a book, You Are Free. And in it, she was healed of anxiety. 
And it was at a time in my life where I was spiritually immature. And I said, how dare she be healed when I can't be healed? This is saying that I don't matter, right? It's that spiritual comparison. (laughs) And it was, I decided that I had done something wrong to not deserve my prayers answered. And she had done everything right. And any parent who has watched a child with a, a diagnosis of cancer, I mean, whatever that may be, I believe somewhere they question, just like Job's friends question, what have I done wrong? What is wrong with me? What have you done to deserve to be treated this way by God? And God doesn't do it, sweet friends. And we also have to remember in the waiting, in the the call, that God isn't in a rush. That we are learning and we are growing. And what if we are doing the same for our children? That's why uh, next month is a month all about connection. And I'm going to talk about how your family of origin and how you were treated and how you see your primary caregivers impacts the way you see God or your version of God or your higher power. Waiting on God is life. Waiting on us, on our, our, our solutions is our life. It's not just what the genie in a bottle can do for us. And I think somewhere along the way, we forget what it means to wait. I do. So I want to offer this to you. I want you to think about all the times you had to wait. What are you taking away? What did you learn? What if waiting is your call to learn, to listen, to surrender, to believe in something more? What if waiting and the lack of hustle and and pain and rush and insecurity What if that, what if staying focused is is our work? What if courageous belief is our call, sweet friends? I am so grateful. This is a very challenging topic for me because there is deep pain in the waiting. There is unknowingness. There is disbelief in the waiting. And we are called to live. And when we are in a hurry, we lose the sight of who we are and where we are. Right? I always say that in the waiting, Most of us are looking behind or looking forward, and we're not looking here. My best question I ask myself every minute of the day is, where am I now, right now? 
And in the waiting, am I waiting? Are you waiting right now? And what are you waiting on? And what will it mean when you get that thing? You know, in coaching, it's like I, I, I coach people on their businesses, right? They're waiting for a very successful business. And then they will feel secure and safe and that they have made it. They are secure and safe right now. Perhaps they're waiting for help, right? But what if they have all of those things? What if I have all of those things right now? Maybe you're waiting for your child to not have pain, to not have problems. We all know that this is the experience. This is the life. Okay, sweet friends, this might have brought up some things for you. You can always email me. I think about this in the moments of the in-between. You are not alone. You are never alone. It's hard to remember that. Turn inside. Look up, look down, look all around. But I didn't mean to create a Dr. Seuss poem in that moment. But believe, courageously believe that sometimes you are called to wait. Okay, love you all, sweet friends. I'll see you very soon. Um, and as always, I want to remind you, if you want more information about how to work with me, if you really um, have heard anything on this episode that you're like, wait a minute, you can go to jessicastong.com. You can learn more information about the Courageous Life Society, a group coaching membership that really helps you take all this information and apply it. And also you can get more information about one-on-one -on -one coaching. Thank you so much and have a great and courageous week, everyone.